Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. With me is my co-host, a man who can literally teach sales with one hand tied behind his back, Darren Cecil. Filling in for Darren, the amazing Anne Bonnie. And what are we going to talk about today? Let's talk about giving feedback, Dave, because I'd like to give you some feedback on your singing. Well, I'd like to give you some feedback on your voice cracking as you open that up. <laughs> I was trying not to laugh. So can you lower your voice a little bit? I can. You want me to do the entire episode like this? Dave, let's talk about giving feedback. Sorry, guys. I'm getting over a cold. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Well, you started off with that sort of that Mighty Mouse announcer, you know, voice from the opening of Mighty Mouse, the cartoon. Do you remember that? I can't remember back that far. Here he comes to save the day. Mighty Mouse is on his way. When there is a wrong to right, Mighty Mouse is in the fight. Why can I remember cartoons when I was like four years old? I've got 1970s commercials in my brain, you know? It's bizarre. Yeah. All right. So let's- But I think giving feedback is a great thing to talk about because sometimes we're in a position to give feedback and if we do it wrong, we can damage relationships and our opportunity to persuade goes significantly in the garbage. Yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, it, it is a um, it, it is a minefield fraught with peril. Ooh, one, wow, that was dramatic. Kind of, we should put some background music in there, right? Dun, know, dun, so. dun. It's a minefield fraught with disaster. I don't remember what you said. <laughs> peril. Anyway, but you're right. It is. I mean, when it comes to long-term relationships, when it comes to sales clients, when it comes to people we're leading, being able to do this well is important. Right. Think about how many times Somebody has said to you, Anne, can I offer you some advice? You should do this. Right. I mean, just hearing the words, you should, mm. all of a sudden, you just start cringing. It's like, it's like fingernails on the chalkboard. Hackles go up, ears go closed. Right. But they might be right, or their advice might be valid. Right. Isn't it just incumbent upon us to like go like, all right, I'm I'm a big guy. I'm going to tough it out. I'm going to listen. Oh, and that's next week's episode on receiving feedback, Dave. Now we're talking about giving. And the thing about it is the problem with human interaction is it's so we can't control what anybody else does. So while I can say, I've got some feedback for you, Dave, here's what you should do. That doesn't mean you're going to take that feedback in the spirit in which I'm sending it. So the key here is to figure out how do we give feedback in a way that somebody's actually going to take it in and not have their hackles go up and get all cringy the way we were just talking. Well, before we get into how to do that, why do you think it is that people get their hackles up? Nobody likes unsolicited advice. I I agree. We're proud people. We're intelligent. We've made it this far without your help. You're sitting here telling me what I should do, how I should run my business or how I should raise my kids. Yeah, right, buddy. And my neck starts going back and forth like a chicken. Yeah. What do you, why do you think it's so, why do you think people don't like it? 
I think ego is a big part of it, which is what yep. you were just alluding to. Ego is a part of it. I think there's a, especially strangers, because, you know, you, the other thing you said is somebody I just met or whatever. I can't remember exactly what you said, but, but there's a credibility factor. Like, who the heck are you? So I know when it's somebody who I know and respect already, it's a lot easier. Somebody who's done what I want to do, it's a lot easier. But even then, if they say it in a way that I don't feel is respectful or tactful, you know, if it, if it feels disrespectful is a strong word, even, I might think about it later, but I'm still going to get all hackles up. Yeah, it's funny. You said that my brother and I, right? So he's, he's my older brother. So right away, there's, you know, lack of credibility on my part. Doesn't matter <laughs> what I've accomplished in my life. He's got two years more life experience. He knows more than me, de facto. Hands down. Hands down. Hands down. I can't count how many times I've offered him advice on something over the years. He rejects it out of hand. And I know with a certainty that a week from now, if if I gave the advice today, for example, a week later, I'm going to be talking to him on the phone because we check in every week. He's on the other side of the country and I'd be talking to him on the phone and he's going to tell me he's going to do what I advised him to do the week before, except for now it's his idea. <laughs> it's that weak statute of limitations on the brotherly advice. It's now his idea, Dave. <laughs> right. But I mean, I think that speaks to the whole ego respect thing, right? Because, yep. it, you know, now, now all of a sudden it's his idea. It's a good idea. We, yeah, we buy into what we help come up with or what we come up with. So how do we, how do we do it, Dave? How do we respectfully give feedback to somebody? Because you might be in a, in a position to let your, you know, sales client know that the decision they're making may not be the best thing for their business. And that's a really good question. There's a lot of things that you could do. There's one thing you should not do, and that should. Mm, shoulds shoulds yeah never I, I, my first piece of advice is that never tell somebody here's what you should do mm-hmm. um it, it, it's a almost a superior subordinate relationship condescending thing. yeah right very, i know more than you you're dumb so let me tell you what you should do yeah i should have used the word condescending shouldn't i yeah you should crap did i say that no but i read oh, that okay but, <laughs> But right, but that's exactly what it feels like. It's like, oh, I know better than you. Exactly right. And and you don't. You don't know everything they know. You don't know you don't know their situation. You only know the situation as they described it to you, which is limiting just because of the very nature of the way communication is. Right. Yep. So I would invite you to consider a different choice of words. Ooh, I like that choice of words, Dave. Explain that. Well, I'm merely opening the door. By inviting you, you don't have to accept an invitation, right? RSVP required, right? You come or not, it's up to you. It's not a requirement. And then consider. You don't have to do any more than consider. You don't have to act on it. You don't have to do it. But I just invite you to think about it. Give it some thought. And I think the beauty of that is, as the feedback giver, you're kind of releasing the outcome. You're saying, hey, I have an idea that you could consider. You can use it or not. But basically, you're not saying this is the right answer. And you're not saying you need to do this to satisfy my ego because I'm the one telling you what to do. 
right? You're saying, hey, I got an idea. It might work for you, might not, but something to consider. Yeah, and it's interesting. Um, releasing the outcome is, is huge. Think about how many times you've been asked for advice. <laughs> that they haven't taken it. Right, and so, sometimes, and I know earlier on in my, my life, I would get all sorts of bent out of shape. Yep. You asked me for his advice. I gave it a ton of skull sweat. I worked hard to come up with something for you. And then you just blew me off. Right. Except for guess what? It's advice. It's their life. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So, so inviting people to consider acknowledges. This is just an idea. And, and when, and it's interesting because I always say this when I'm giving, doing communication workshops, especially when we're giving feedback to the people that work for us. One of the things I say is that it's not your job to tell people what to do because ultimately they're going to make the decision about what they want to do and what's the best decision for them. All I can do is give you all the information you need to be able to make your own informed decision. So even if this is a, I'm your boss and I'm giving you feedback scenario, treating it this way essentially says you're smart. You're going to make your own decisions as you should. And here's the information you need that I have that might help you make the best decision for yourself. But again, you're releasing that outcome. You're the one making the decision. It's not about me. You're releasing the outcome to their behavior. And this is important because right now I can hear some of our listeners thinking, yeah, but you're the boss and you're looking for a specific result and they just blow you off, right? How are you in charge? Well, this is where, and again, I talk about accountability and having those difficult accountability conversations. One of the key elements to that conversation is what are the consequences of failure? Right. So yes, I'm not responsible for your behavior. Mm-hmm. You but do I what you want to do. Right. I am responsible for letting you know that if things don't happen a certain way, here are my boundaries. Here's what the consequences are going to be. And the beauty about that is now, if you elect to do something in, that contradicts my suggestion and the result is a negative result that I, as a company, we can't live with, then whatever those consequences were, you volunteered for. You just chose them. And, and this isn't a threat. Don't use this as a threat. Like if you don't do this, you know, it's saying, okay, here's the scoop. I want you to know this is the outcome I need. And the cool thing is, as we're giving feedback, really make sure that you're clarifying what it is you need as the end result too. Not necessarily how they need to get there. Now in each different scenario, it's gonna be different. But if you give that final outcome that you need and allow them to come up with their own way of getting there, and you may have some ideas, there may be one way of getting there, whatever the situation is, but letting them know that uh, that consequence, if that is not achieved, like you said, you've chosen that then. You know, if it's disciplinary action with HR, if it's not getting that promotion, whatever it is, they've now chosen that. And those consequences can't be a surprise. Now, this goes to the next thing we should talk about, which is follow through and accountability from a leadership standpoint. You got to be ready to put those consequences into action. Absolutely. Otherwise, they become completely meaningless. And frankly, everything you do, every word you say becomes completely meaningless. Not just to that person, but to the entire team. Right. Because certainly you can't have disproportionate outcomes where, you know, well, 
he got away with it. Why didn't I? Right. Um, but to your earlier point too, you, you brought back when I was uh, doing a lot of business coaching and I had a client who was a bit of a control freak. And one of the comments I made to him is, look, there are many right ways to do most things. As long as it's done a right way, it doesn't have to be your right way. Right. And that's on you when you're giving your feedback. You need to make sure you know what you need as an outcome. What does success look like? Because then if they can choose their own way of doing it and still gets us to that acceptable outcome, good to go. If it's not my way, fine. I don't care. Because if they come up with the how, they're much more likely to be bought into that and actually reach that outcome and change their behavior if that's what you're asking for. And in addition to that, you may benefit from a more efficient way of doing it. Well, exactly. Imagine that, that somebody does something in a more efficient way than your way. What? Right. So if we're locked into the way we've always done it, you know. Don't, don't, don't. Right. Don't, don't, don't. Th <laughs> think about it. If we always did it the same way, how many of you would have a 10 key instead of a computer or a ledger book instead of software that does all of your accounting or right. The list goes on and on and on in terms of, of, of the improvements because right. there's more than one right way to do it. And some right ways are, are, are more efficient than others. Right. And some right ways are scary because they're not ways that we've done them before. You know, it's funny. I worked for Under Armour from 2002 to 2010. And I remember for the first five or six years that I was there, Kevin Plank, who started the company said, there's only one way to get fired at Under Armour. And that's to say, that's how we've always done it. And that mindset was throughout the organization because he wanted us to innovate. He wanted us to come up with new ways. And then an intern dropped the F-bomb on live TV at a company outing. And then there were two ways to get fired at Under Armour. But no effing that, way. Yeah, right. That was something that was drilled into us, that, that new ways are welcomed. And that's such an important piece. And that should feed in because when you're giving feedback, even if you word it really, really well, that still is a bit of a sting to the ego. But if you are saying, I know you're an important, an intelligent human being who can come up with your own way to do this. This is what we need to get to. You're, you're giving them a little bit back to their ego and they're much more likely to listen and make the changes you need. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's funny. And I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but I find it interesting that Kevin Plank said, you know, the only the only uh, way to get fired is to say this way we've always done it. Because you think about the history of that company where he took uh, a product that was meant for, it was like his girlfriend's something on the right that he made into a T-shirt. I can't remember to uh, made the wick away clothing. He went to the garment district to find the fabric and then had it made. Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. But, but it wasn't a fabric that was intended for what he used it for. Right. It was, it was innovative for him. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's the point. They were an innovative company. And, right. And, and otherwise we'd he'd just be making cotton teas like everybody else. Changing. Yep. Yep. Right. Um, you know, there's another phrase that I've used time and time again. I, I don't do this a lot. Uh, I don't do it as much today as I used to when I didn't have uh, the um, vocabulary I have now as I stumble for words. <laughs> I, but it's something I would say when I was about to give what could be perceived as should advice in a way to try and, you know, take the sting off as it were. And, and I would look at somebody, I would say, you know, 
If I was your brother, this is the advice I would give you. And I'm just trying to let people know it's coming from a place that I care about them. Mm. Not, it's not an ego thing. It's, it's like, you're my blood. This is, I have, I have your best intentions in mind. Mm -hmm. This is what I recommend. Right. And, and, and by adding from my point of view, here's what I would do if I were in your shoes, or if you were my brother, here's what I would recommend. You're kind of taking a degree of separation from that. The person could say, well, you're not my brother. Okay, cool. But I've heard what you've said. You know, and it's not as much as you should, Dave. It's Dave, if you were my brother, here's what I'd tell you. Because from what I'm hearing and from my experience, that seems to be, you know, and what you're doing basically is you're clarifying your intentions. You're saying, I care about you. I want you to be successful. I want you to make the best decisions for yourself. If I were in your shoes or if you were my brother, here's what I would do. So you're clarifying your intention. Yeah, that's exactly what my thought process was. And thank you for helping me clarify my intention with saying that. But that's exactly it. It's like, look, this is not coming from a place of manipulation. Right. Although, I mean, it could be, right? They don't know. But my intention was, look, if we're blood, this is what I'd be telling you. Of course, you have no idea what my relationship with my brother is like, you know. If you were my brother, I'd tell you to go jump off a cliff. But I hate that guy, so... Well, he did put me in a hospital when I was 13. So, you know. But you were 13, Dave. I can only imagine how you were then if this is the way you are now. Oh, I don't think you could imagine. <laughs> and I come, that comes from experience because I was that 13-year-old as well, which is why I ended up in boarding school. But that's another episode. And we're just going to leave that out there as a cliffhanger. You're going to have to listen every week and one day and might actually share that story with us. <laughs> Maybe. No, but even in that, you're still not saying you should, right? Even though you're saying my intention, you know, I, 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 if you were my brother, here's what I'd recommend. You're still not saying you should do this. Yeah. And actually you, you actually said something else a minute ago, which is, I think another valid way of offering advice, which is not what, not you should, but I would. Mm -hmm. Now it's taking it on, taking it on us. I'm not telling you what to do. Right. I am telling you what I would do. And it's an acknowledgement that we're different people, different backgrounds, different histories, different viewpoints, maybe different needs, wants, desires. But you're still getting the opportunity to say, here's an idea, which is ultimately what we're trying to do. Exactly. Now, why is this important from a uh, persuasion perspective? Are we trying to persuade people with this? Well, yeah. I mean, you're, you, if you're giving somebody feedback, you're trying to persuade them to do a behavior change or to select something or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, essentially you're trying to persuade them and you're also trying to build that long-term relationship. So not only can you persuade them now, but you can persuade them better down the line, because again, you're building that credibility that we started this conversation talking about. Yeah. So how about in sales? Same. It's exactly the same thing. It's the same thing with your spouse. Your kids, kids are different. Your spouse, your sales, your leadership situation, your volunteer opportunities, anything, the interactions with your neighbor, in my opinion. Do you, don't, you, don't you agree? I, I do. The only thing, I'm not sure that kids are different. Um, <laughs> kids scare me, Dave. That's a different episode too. <laughs> stay tuned for that one too, folks. But I love my cat. 
That's but, like three episodes. But I, but I don't think kids are different. I mean, at some point, kids like, and I, you know, and I say this about pets, kids, employees, at some point, right, you do need to put your foot down if they're really, really being uh, stubborn. And I would submit you failed someplace earlier if you get to that point. And that doesn't mean if you get to that point, you are sunk. Don't don't do it. I mean, there's a time where you have to say sometimes, look, this is the way it's going to be. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. Right. And, but earlier on, you know, I would invite you to consider, I, I love asking Socratic questions. In other words, if somebody says, well, you know, I thought about that and, and I think I want to go this direction. Another okay, explain thing. this to me because I've I've heard of this Socratic approach so many times and I, I know what it is intellectually, but I still don't get it. It still sounds like an inquisition to me. So I'm looking forward to hearing your input. Well, typically, if if I think there's a course of action that should be taken, it's because in my mind, at least I've thought of all the variables and I, I've rejected some negative outcome of another methodology. So now you've brought to me, you said, okay, um, and, and I wish I had a more concrete solution, but you said, here's the way I'm going to handle this. We, we've talked about it. You've solicited my input and you go, here's the way I'm going to handle it. And now I'm like, oh God, I, I, I see this impending you know, pitfall down the road that I don't think you're seeing. I, I could just tell you, well, if you do that, then you're going to fall into this pit. And you're of course going to go, no, I'm not, because that's the ego involved. Mm. The Socratic method is ask questions. Well, how would you handle this? Or what about, you know, and so I ask questions to get you to think about your mindset and get you to talk yourself into, or not necessarily into, into that pit, so to speak, ahead of time. And then you go, oh, I, I didn't foresee that. So, yeah. So you're saying to ask questions that lead people to think about outcomes they perhaps didn't think of. Correct. Or consequences or whatever. Yeah. Correct. Because yeah. that's what okay. Socrates as a philosopher would do. People would take a position and then he would think about the logical extension of that position. And then instead of just arguing with them, no, you're wrong. He would ask questions about their position that walk them into whatever mm. this consequence might you know, be to get them to see the fallacy of their position. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, this is something that, and this is my, my mental anguish with this approach is that you just have to make sure that it doesn't sound like saying, well, Dave, did you think about what happens if you do this? Did you think about, cause it's really easy to start sounding condescending with some of these questions. And so you really have to be curiosity based rather than judgment based uh, as we talked about last episode. Well, it's funny. You just said that because one of my favorite phrases before I say, did you think about this? And I wouldn't say, did you think about this? But I might say, I'm curious. Um, what would happen under these circumstances? Right now, it's not judge. I'm right now, now educate me. You clearly yeah. know something I don't know. Right. So educate me because I don't see that. And I think that's the assumption. And this is a, a phrase that I actually use in giving feedback is there may be something I don't know. So I would love to hear your perspective on this in a genuinely curious way. Again, not in that condescending, like, oh, I'd love to hear your perspective on this because 
doesn't make any sense to me, right? You got to find that way to be curious about it and say, hey, there may be stuff I don't know. And I'd love to hear your logic. Well, I, I would submit there is something you don't know. There always is. Always is, metric, yeah. Right? Because communication is imperfect. So I'm trying to explain to you, let's just say I'm asking for advice or you want to give me feedback about a situation, right? Which is similar. There, there's two sides of the same coin, right? But, but our, our, our premise here is it's feedback. And so you want to give me feedback, but you weren't in my shoes. You weren't actually there. And so you've heard or seen, or I've communicated to you, whatever the situation was, but He's that communication is imperfect. Right. We have to start from there. And that's where the curiosity, what you were just saying comes in, because I do know something you don't know. I don't know what it is. I didn't communicate it clearly. I didn't intentionally hold it back from you. Maybe I assumed you just knew it. Or maybe I didn't think you needed to know it. Right. Yep. Yep. All the factors, you know, and and that's, again, taking that approach that my way isn't necessarily the only way. And let's, and this is what in that book, Crucial Conversations, which I recommend all the time when I'm talking about communication and learning how to communicate better, is what this is doing is basically opening up a dialogue get, that gets all the information in the, on the table. So we're working from a common pool of information. You've got yours out there. I've got mine out there. Now we can talk and find a solution because we've all put our information out there. And by being curious, I'm enticing you to put your stuff in the pot as well. Exactly. And because I am not shooting you, right? I am not putting my, I'm not being condescending. I am not putting myself in this superior, well, look at me. I'm giving advice. I am the, you know, uh-huh. mentor, I'm the king stuff, you know, queen stuff, right? When you do that, the other person gets very guarded with their information. Right. And this is what people ask me a lot is what if they don't want to take part in the conversation, you know, and, and that's because they're used to people being condescending and shooting all over them and, you know, be, being the bossy pants. Um, and so sometimes this again, goes back to building that credibility. You've got to build that trust and that willing that, that trust. So the person is willing to be vulnerable with you and put their information on the table. Right. And again, depending on what that relationship is. So if it's, if it's a leader team member relationship, if there, if that trust isn't there, that, that, that goes, falls back to you. And it may be early on in a relationship and you just need time to build it up, but w- where the communicating, the consequences, what does, what the things we talked about earlier, you know, what does success look like and what are the consequences for failure? And what are they really clearly, right? Making sure they understand that, mm-hmm. um, if it's a if it's a, a sales type relationship, it's still the same thing. You still have to, you know, it, that rapport has got to be there. That's why the first step in every sales program anybody ever invented, Coco Pelli, when he was walking around the specific Southwest or the Southwest, you know, trading seeds for, for wampum or whatever it was he was doing, right? He had to gain trust first. first Coco Pelli a sales guy? I never knew his job. Yeah, that's, I think so. Yeah. He was okay. like, he, he was like the wandering sales guy who was impregnating all the women. Oh uh, yeah. He was like the God. Wow. Of I got to look this guy up. I've got it. 
earrings with them on it. I may not want to wear them as often, but you know, you, <laughs> but this is the key. Like, you know, you're a great salesperson. If you are a trusted advisor, like people are asking you questions, they're trusting and they're looking for your input for your feedback. And they're trusting it and saying, wow, I'm going to ask Dave because I know not only does he know his stuff, but he's got my best intentions at heart. And that goes back to that credibility and that trust and that relationship that we're talking about. And this gets you there. Correct. And so you should not should people. Don't should anybody, Dave. Don't shit on my parade. I should all over myself. I should myself. So next time we should talk about giving ourselves feedback. But again, different episode. Yeah. You know what? It's the same advice. I know. It, it Nothing changes except for, you know, it's first person instead of second person. Yeah. I invite me to consider. <laughs> Here's an option, Anne. Don't do that. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we uh, pretty much have covered this one. I think we have. Giving feedback is so important because it it does put you in a place of leadership, you know, of knowledge. But again, you want to come off as a trusted advisor and a trusted mentor and a trusted partner rather than a know-it-all blowhard. And that's what we're trying to help you with. I think I missed that boat. Um, <laughs> no, you're good, Dave. But in, in seriousness... Um, if you think about the best leaders you've ever met, they almost always universally ask questions, mm-hmm. a lot of questions, a ton of questions. And their guidance is so light, you don't even realize that their hand is on their shoulder pushing you in a certain direction. Because you're getting yourself there. Because right. you're actually coming up with the information. Yeah, it's funny. I just had this image of curling. I don't know why, right? But the guy... The broom and they're, they're just they're just right in front of the, the the rock and they're guiding it by creating this vacuum and that's sort of what the questions are doing. I I, I don't know maybe our Canadian friends right now are going yes it's curling uh, but I have no idea what I'm talking about. I think you don't. I don't think it's vacuum, but that's cool. It's <laughs> this is the San Diego guy giving ice. Actually, you're a hockey player, so I guess you can give ice sports metaphors but that's a weak one dave you're gonna have to i'm gonna give you a little feedback if if you're my brother i would tell you to reconsider that metaphor well i'm open to i'm open to anything because i've never thrown a rock in my life (laughs) but i hear curling's kind of fun so maybe we could try it yeah i was up at an ice rink uh in orange county where they actually had uh the, the the hockey rink also had the curling i don't know what it's called on there and they do curling as well as hockey there. So I'm like, oh, yeah, that'd be a lot we of have fun. a bar I'm here, up here in Michigan. Of course we have curling because we've got a lot of ice, but well, there's a bar here. You can go and curl and drink beer and eat pizza. I'm going to try that. I, yeah. I bet you meet some nice guys there. See, that's another right. episode. Well, folks, um, I hope you had a Merry Christmas. This is for coming out right after Christmas. Uh, have a happy new year. And if uh, you have any advice for us, you should let us know. We wish you would let us know because we're just flying by the seat of our pants. Now we could use feedback. So basically this is not unsolicited advice. You can give it to us. Now we're asking for it. We're asking for it. Happy new year, everybody. Happy new year. Take care. That concludes another episode of disarming persuasion. My name's Dave Rosenberg. And this is Darren Cecil. 
visit our websites at LockedOnLeadership.com or DarrenCecil.com. Follow us on social media. You can find the links in the show notes. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them. Thank you.